Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to another episode of New Books in Japanese Studies, a podcast channel of the New Books Network. I am Jeannie Lee from the University of Arizona. Joining us today is Dr. Gideon Fujiwala and his new book, From Country to Nation, Ethnographic Studies, Kokugaku, and Spirits in 19th Century Japan. This book was published uh, by Cornell University Press earlier this year in May. Dr. Fujiwala uh, Gideon teaches and researches about Asian intellectual and cultural history at the University of Lethbridge in Canada. In this book, Gideon traces back how scholars living in Japan's periphery of Tsugaru imagined a nation during the transformation of Japan in the late 19th century. So welcome, Gideon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much, Jingyi, for having me. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to a number of interviews on uh, NBN and uh, yeah, lear- learning more about you know new books coming out and uh, yeah, it's great to be with you today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that. Now, what drew you into the studies of Japanese intellectual history and why this particular region Tsugaru? Because it's not one of the, you know, it's not one of those fancy places in Tokyo or around Tokyo. Uh, yes, definitely. So. Uh, I, I've always been interested in how ideas, thoughts, and beliefs uh, shape people's thinking, uh, how these uh, ideas shape the way that people behave and, and act. And particularly as I was starting to study about uh, Tokugawa Japan, uh, I, I was drawn to intellectual history. I, I took a, a great Japanese history course with Namlin Her at, at UBC and uh, I was was particularly interested in writing about Japanese identity formation. Uh, and so Professor Her directed me to uh, study about Motori Norinaga, which really uh, was, was really interesting to me. Uh, he introduced me to uh, a number of, a couple of books. Uh, one in particular uh, was written by Peter Nosko, <laughs> Remembering Paradise, and it's about Kokugaku. And uh, so uh, this this book had a profound uh, influence on me intellectually, uh, and so ever since I've been studying uh, intellectual history from the Tokugawa to Meiji period. And uh, Tsugaru is just uh, a fascinating place. Uh, I mean, it's it's really uh, interesting to study about, but it's even better to visit. It's it's such a a, a beautiful place. Uh, you know, you've got um, Mount Iwaki, you know, this, this, uh, uh, very scenic mountain, uh, you know, very, um, uh, a scenic landscape, uh, the, the uh, Shirakami mountains of, of Aomori are beautiful. Uh, there's a distinct culture there. And, um, while one quickly learns, uh, that there's a distinct, uh, dialect of, of Tsugaru, Tsugaru-ben, uh, and, and, um, 
And so the the identity, the culture rooted in uh, Tsugaru uh, drew me as well. And I think seen from the uh, the centers of Edo, Tokyo, and, and Kyoto, as you as you noted, uh, there Tsugaru was seen as this place that was sort of deep in the northeast of Japan. And so uh, even in the Tokugawa period, as you know, Jingi, uh, this uh, place was sort of shrouded in mystery. Uh, so that that aspect was was uh, appealing and interesting to me. There there certainly are works on the region, obviously in, in Japanese and 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 you know growing body of works in English. But uh, for the particular topics that I was dealing with, uh, there was uh, still little written, and so uh, yeah, all of these reasons uh, drew me to study about Tsugaru and and brought me to the place several times. Uh, since about 2008. That's amazing. Actually, a few weeks ago, we had uh, on the in the Japanese on the Japanese Studies channel, we had an interview with Dr. Anthony Rausch, who talked about uh, the difficulties of revitalizing the northern areas yes. um, in modern Japan. So, with this uh, book, it's quite. It would be quite interesting to see how it was um, vi- uh, vital. Uh, as your book says, in the early modern period. So what can you tell us briefly uh, what this book is about and how you first became interested in this subject? Uh, yes, of course. So so this book uh, is about uh, a really interesting group of uh, some 18 intellectuals who lived in northeastern Japan. Uh, they imagined a dual identity uh, because they saw themselves as residents of Tsugaru no Kuni, so the country of Tsugaru, uh, which was a domain, uh, but they increasingly imagined themselves also as a part of a, a larger nation of imperial Japan, uh, the Mikuni. Uh, so, so this circle of intellectuals, uh, they were quite socially diverse. Uh, there were many merchant poets, painters among them, uh, they were the core of the group, but there were also Shinto priests. Uh, there were samurai, uh, and there was one uh, female painter poet who was also an important member. Now, the central figure in the book is Hirao Rosen. Uh, he was a merchant painter scholar. Uh, he did ethnographic studies, learning about the peoples of Tsugaru. Uh, and after U.S. Commodore Perry's incursion into Edo Bay, uh, Japan, of course, opened its ports to Western vessels. Uh, and in 1855, uh, Rosen traveled to the northern island of, of Ezo, uh, where he visited uh, the port city of Hakodate. Uh, so there uh, he had direct um, uh, observation of, of uh, the Europeans, Americans, uh, the Qing Chinese who were stationed uh, at Hakodate, uh, and he came to see uh, the realities of Japan at this time, situated in a, a global community that, of course, included the uh, industrially uh, advanced and, and militarily superior uh, Western nations, uh, as well as the Empire of Qing China uh, that had been defeated in the, the Opium War. And so this realization of, of Japan's status in the world uh, actually made Rosen focus inward. Uh, and, and so he would pursue his ethnographic studies of, of Tsugaru and, and other countries uh, within a larger uh, Japan. And uh, a couple of years later, uh, Tsuriya Ario, uh, another key member of the group, became the first uh, person from Tsugaru to uh, register in the Hirata Academy. And so they're, they're formed this Tsugaru group of disciples. And of course, um, their, their teacher, who was the uh, uh, deceased uh, uh, Hirata Atsutane, you know, of course, he wrote about many things, the ancient Japanese way and, and many topics. But uh, the Tsugaru disciples were particularly drawn to uh, Atsutane's teachings on spirits, the spirit realm and the afterlife. And, and, and these theories helped, well, particularly Hirao Rosen, but his fellows also to uh, understand that, that the spiritual mysteries that they were seeing in Tsugaru uh, uh, could actually be uh, explained through Kokugaku, um, uh, the, the Kokugaku teachings. And so this is a way that they uh, 
found a, a place for uh, a place for Tsugaru within within the larger uh, Imperial Japan. Uh, but uh, it, it, I mean, there were scholars like uh, uh, Rosen and Ario, but there were others who were very active. Like there was one member who was a samurai who fought and died for the emperor in the in the Boshin Civil War. Uh, and then other Shinto priests of the group uh, venerated the the spirit of this fallen soldier, along with other uh, uh, fallen dead from the um, uh, Hirosaki domain. Uh, some of these Shinto priests were involved in the uh, Shinbutsu Bundi, uh, uh, separating uh, the Kami and the Buddhas in, in early Meiji. So, uh, so some of them were carrying out the, the modern reform, uh, and then others like Rosen, they were very resistant to the rapid changes that were happening. Uh, and, and so ultimately, I mean, uh, Rosen and, and some of his fellows uh, they had been dreaming about this new dawn for Japan that would be shaped by Shinto Kokugaku. But instead, I mean, they were quite resistant to um, Meiji Japan adopting uh, foreign models for uh, shaping their society, uh, particularly from the West. And so uh, Rosen actually um, did not realize the community that he had been hoping for, uh, but uh, he... Uh, really found himself disoriented and estranged within a very uh, a new and modern uh, uh, Japan. And so, uh, sorry, that was, was probably a, a long-winded uh, uh, description of the book, but I, I do offer um, fresh new perspectives on the Meiji Restoration from the, the Northeast. Uh, we look at the diversity found in grassroots uh, kokugaku or, or Japan studies, uh, and, and like I said, artists, painters, poets, uh, samurai soldiers, uh, Shinto uh, ritualists all played a part in, in this uh, history. Uh, you know, I look at ethnographic studies and, and kokugaku and the, the dy- dynamics there. Uh, and, and I also look at the commoners' experience of modernity and, and how they struggled with uh, changing times. Now, one of the very important um themes in your book is the distinction between country and nation which um it's so interesting because like you said earlier um in early modern times the place tsugaru was could also be referred to as tsugaru no kuni and kuni literally means um when translated to english it could mean country it could be nation could also mean domain and it, I, I love how um, just this uh, struggle of translating the uh, meaning of kuni into all of its complicated nuances in English. So um, could you give our listeners a brief overview of why you make such a distinction between country and nation and perhaps domain and how that ties to um, what we were talking about earlier, kukugaku, national studies or native studies, na- nativist studies, I guess. Yeah, thank you, Jingyi. This is a question that certainly gets to the heart of, of the book and, and some of my arguments. So as you uh, accurately described, right, so kuni indeed means it's it's uh, that's it's multiple meanings uh, in in the early modern period. Um, so domains, as you said. So w- when we talk about Tsugaru no Kuni, uh, and we're talking about uh, the domain of Tsugaru, obviously uh, the the territory ruled by the Tsugaru lords. Uh, but but uh, country, uh, Kuni also refers to province and and nation and and so uh, in in this book, um, yeah, I, I really get into the granular uh, sort of the the fine complexities of community and I and I really try to shed light on the fact that people living in 19th century Japan but particularly in Tsugaru uh, I mean they experienced multiple levels of community they they resided in a castle town which is part of you know Tsugaru no Kuni the, the domain part of a larger uh, province of Mutsu uh, Mutsu no Kuni and then course within a, a larger proto-nation or, or nation of Japan 
which they they refer to as mikuni. And and in this case, mikuni, I should point out, uh, it's 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 made up of the characters uh, ko for kosu, the imperial uh, meaning. Well, it's 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 come to mean sort of uh, you know emperor, imperial, and kuni. Uh, so the imperial country, I'll, I'll often refer to Japan as the imperial country because uh, or the imperial nation because that's what the the Tsugaru Kokugaksha, um, that's how they they described it or identified it. Uh, but uh, as as we look at this history uh, in Tsugaru from the uh, well, I look at you know from the late 16th century into the the late 19th. Uh, so there's this continual tension uh, of of a, a kuni a, kun, a Tsugaru no kuni. Uh, the the Tsugaru leaders are always trying to justify their place within the state, uh, and the state, of course, is is uh, uh, is, is Japan. Uh, but there's this tension between the, uh, the, the Tsugaru no Kuni. So, so they are referring to their, uh, home as, as such, uh, Tsugaru no Kuni, uh, the country of Tsugaru. Um, and, and, uh, the administrators of the Hirata Academy refer to, uh, these, these disciples as the Tsugaru Jin or the, the people of Tsugaru. Uh, so, so there's certainly a, a very clear, uh, Distinction, identity there, uh, self-awareness that they're from this this backwater, this um, uh, peripheral uh, domain that's far from uh, Edo and, and Kyoto. Uh, but but again, there's this this emerging uh, Mikuni uh, imperial country that they're they're looking at, and and for them, uh, Tsugaru, and th- again, this is one of the I think interesting parts of this book. They're not simply imagining you know other foreign countries, but Rosen actually saw, um, you know, uh, uh, English sailors, American sailors, um, Qing Chinese laborers at uh, in Hakodate. So, so they're seeing the reality of, you know, different kuni, right? And and uh, there's a there's a great um, quote from Rosen uh, when he visit uh, after he visits Hakodate, you know, where he says, you know, he saw these um, Westerners and. They're all conversing, uh, even though they're from different countries. You know, they're co- they're coming from different ships with different flags. You know, how, how could it be that, you know, there's no distinction between self or other? And uh, and of course, you know, coming from a Japanese uh, context or East Asian context, this is very, uh, you know, literally very foreign to him. Uh, but but here I I try to tease out um, on what Dosen and his fellows are experiencing when it comes to kuni and, and nation. And uh, as I explain in the later uh, chapters, uh, Tsugaru, uh, as it becomes absorbed into the uh, empire of, of Meiji Japan, uh, it would uh, it would cease to be that that uh, country, uh, and it would become a, but it would remain as a distinct locale with with its identity. Uh, but now the the imperial nation is so um, uh, it's so dominant as a basis for identity that uh, uh, I think today, I, I think people don't really talk about Tsugaru as, as the Kuni so much, but it certainly is a, a very real distinct locale that, um, I mean, will, I think, persist for uh, probably uh, many generations after after now. And what about Kokugaku? What does it mean and how can we best understand it? Yeah, so there's a really interesting uh, ongoing discussion on, on how to understand and and translate kokugaku as as you as you know so of course kokugaku is the study of ancient classical text to uncover an ancient japanese way uh and so i mean these are some of the translations uh that i talk about in the opening pages so national learning was one uh nativism was a, a popular one for for decades as well um uh, native studies is is another uh and in each of these, I mean, we can we can certainly see the the strength of the translation, like national learning. Obviously, the the, the nation or national gets emphasized. Uh, but then, um, the issue with this one, of course, is that uh, we may project uh, understandings of the modern nation back to the 18th, 19th century, uh, in the early modern period. Nativism. Uh, as as a few scholars have, have pointed out, uh, 
there's a, uh, I mean, it gives the impression that all kokugaksha were anti-foreign and were part of some anti-immigrant group, uh, you know, which is sort of the, uh, uh, the meaning that, that nativism carries. Uh, now, certainly there's, there's um, aspects of anti-foreign uh, or xenophobic aspects of, of some kokugaku writings, but uh, this, this could be uh, misrepresentative of, of the scholarship uh, as a whole. Uh, native studies, of course, is, is, uh, makes sense. But, uh, uh, I mean, where I live in Treaty 7 territory in, in, uh, uh, in southern Alberta, Canada, um, home of the Siksikese Tetapi uh, people, uh, when I say native studies, people think about indigenous studies. So they might wonder if I'm studying about the Blackfoot or the, the Ainu of Japan, uh, for, for instance. Uh, but uh, the, 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 the translation that I adopt in this book is Japan studies. Uh, and um, Anne Walthall, a leading uh, scholar on this topic, uh, began to use Japan studies, which I also adopted, which I think, I mean, it, it makes it clear that, that Kokugaksha were studying about Japan. Uh, and, and, uh, and so I use this in tandem with the Romanized uh, Kokugaku. Uh, and so uh, there's um, some discussion about this in the early pages of the book. Uh, I also have a a co-authored entry with uh, Peter Nosko for Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, where we uh, talk a little bit about uh, these translations. Yes, yeah, so that's one of the one of the uh, things I was really curious about when I just started when I was like one chapter in, is that Tsugaru is such a distant place from the center of Kokugaku or native na- nativist studies when it was most active in the Tokyo and Kyoto area in the late 19th century, oh, sorry, mid-19th century. And um, this is, is also where the multiple meanings of country and nation come into play, because as a part of the Hirosaki domain, or the country of Hirosaki, technically, Tsugaru was a country itself, right? And so is Hirosaki. So both of them became a part of the nation, of Japan after the major restoration of after all the modernization. So how should we understand the nature of Tsugaru and its place within this larger category? Uh, yes, definitely. So um, in the in the early chapters of the book, well, chapter uh, one, uh, especially, I explain how uh, the Tsugaru lords, the Tsugaru the political leaders, um, and, and also scholars and educators from, from this region, they continually made, made efforts to try to secure a place for themselves within a larger Japan. So politically, the, the Tsugaru lords uh, made efforts to ingratiate themselves with uh, the ruler of the realm at the time. So in, in the late uh, 16th century, of course, the Tsugaru lord, lord was... Um, ingratiating himself with Toyotomi Hideyoshi, uh, sending hawks as, as gifts because, of course, you know, Hideyoshi and, and other lords uh, enjoyed hawking as a, uh, you know, as, a, as a sport and a pastime. They continued this with the Tokugawa shogun, later uh, sending gifts of young hawks to, um, to the Tokugawa shogun. And so this is one uh, way that um, they uh, ensured that their place in Tsugaru uh, and, and they did fight um, alongside the, the Tokugawa family in the Battle of Sekigahara. So they were rewarded uh, for that uh, and uh, they were recognized. And, uh, and so increasingly, I mean, they would, they would win honors and titles uh, from Kyoto. Uh, and so this is their way to say, hey, we're part of Japan. We're contributing to Japan. And, and primarily they would do this uh, not just through gift giving, but also in, in carrying out uh, military uh, uh, directives, right? So, so if there was a conflict uh, in Ezo, in the Northern Island, uh, with, with the Russians, they, they, were, they would send their troops uh, ordered by the Tokugawa shogunate. Uh, also, um, the, uh, uh, the indigenous peoples of the North, the Ainu, uh, I mean, they faced... Uh, Quite oppressive policies under um, uh, the Tokugawa state and the Matsumai lords, and so when when um, there were uprisings uh, in 
on the northern island, again, uh, Hirosaki and other uh, northeastern domains were, were called on to, to send their troops, which, which the Tsugaru uh, lords did. And so they, they continued to make this, this effort. Uh, and, and for the Tsugaru group, for Hirao-Rosen and Tsuriya Ario, uh, they, they found a means to situate themselves within Japan through Hirata Kokugaku. So this was a way that they can, I mean, they, could, they found, found these, um, you know, really persuasive uh, theories on the spirit realm. And so they, they saw that, uh, you know, when, when they, they heard of um, uh, spirits of, of the dead uh, walking about in the town or, uh, you know, unexplained phenomena uh, happening um, in their locale, uh, they found answers in Hirata uh, Atsutane's theories uh, and that indeed they were part of a larger spiritual landscape of, of Imperial Japan. Uh, so Tsugaru was known as a kuni uh, for, for centuries, uh, but it was absorbed into the Imperial nation. And, and certainly Mark Ravina also um, uh, makes this, this argument. Uh, but as I, as I noted earlier, Tsugaru would cease to be uh, the kuni, uh, but would live on as a, a distinct locale. Uh, within the modern construction of um, Aomori Prefecture uh, within Tohoku, the, the, the Northeast, right? Uh, which becomes a, a, a constructed identity in itself uh, within a larger Japan. And to uh, just briefly unpack this um, idea of Kokugaku nativist studies, how influential was it at this time and how did it, um, how was it spread all the way to Tsugaru? Yeah, so uh, there's, there's been a lot of uh, scholarship coming out on this. And uh, in, the, in the early 2000s, uh, there, there was sparked a, a Hirata boom, um, a boom in, in Hirata Kokugaku studies. And this is owing to uh, the Hirata family, descendants of uh, Atsutane, uh, making public uh, uh, over 10,000 pieces of, um, you know, documents, letters, uh, you know, artifacts uh, of the Hirata family and really making public uh, their uh, valuable documents. And so, there, I mean, since, since the early 2000s, there been, there's been so much work. Uh, so, so the Hirata shrine was involved with that uh, and, um, of course, uh, Miyachi Masato, professor, uh, led uh, a lot of this work and lot, many scholars working with him. And, and I was very fortunate to uh, be um, granted permission to attend the uh, Hirata seminar hosted by uh, Hirata Shrine in Yoyogi, Tokyo. Um, uh, so I have to mention that, yeah, I, I took the midnight bus you know, from Hirosaki when I was studying there uh, to Tokyo uh, you know, some, some really early mornings, but, uh, you know, attending that seminar in the Hirata Shrine, it certainly, um, like I felt the power of, uh, uh, scholarly networks, right. Because I then, you know, it's great scholarly exchange, you know, have, you know, night, great meals with, with these, these colleagues, uh, and mentors, and then hop on the bus back to Hirata for another, uh, midnight, uh, bus ride. But, um, but yes, uh, there's all this scholarly activity, you know, uh, numerous books came out. Uh, and, and so we know a lot about um, just the spread of this uh, Hirata Academy uh, from Edo, Tokyo, uh, all across Japan. So, so um, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, and a lot of this is, is thanks to uh, Hirata Kanetane, the, the, the adopted son of Atsutane, who was just a meticulous letter writer. Um, and, and, uh, you know, Miyachi Sensei describes um, uh, Kanetane as, as superhuman, you know, and, and just writing numerous letters a day between Edo and, you know, places like Tsugaru to encourage the growth of um, these disciple communities across. And of course, places like uh, Shinano, uh, uh, you know, they had, you know, some of the hotbeds of, of disciples, like like hundreds of them. Uh and in a place like Tsugaru was important to uh, the academy in Edo because they they wanted to ensure that you know even the far reaches of uh, of Honshu were receiving the teachings on the ancient way. And so uh, people like Tsuriya Ario, I mean, he was he was the leader. Um, he ensured that they were getting the books from uh, the Hirata Academy, uh, and um, 
and of course the center, uh, the Hirata family were enthusiastic and, uh, they, they, yeah, they, they, they made every effort to make sure that the edge of Japan was getting the, the, uh, t- teachings and, and Kanetane seemed to have a sort of a soft spot, a soft spot in his heart for Tsugaru because they were neighbors of Akita, which is the home of, um, Atsutane and, and the Hirata family. So, uh, you know, in the letters, Kanetane will often say, uh, you know, say, you know, um, Akita seemed to have a, you know, a good harvest. How was the harvest for you? Uh, and, uh, and so there were, there were those uh, linkages as well, uh, which actually was significant in the Meiji Restoration because Akita domain and Tsugaru domain, they were fighting on the same side, right, for the, the emperor. Uh, but, uh, but it, it was, uh, 1857 that, uh, Tsuriyario joined the academy. Uh, and then from, from him, uh, other, you know, his fellows joined in and, and there's much to be said about, uh, the literati, the, the literary circle as well, because he was bringing in basically, uh, the, uh, literary salon or the, uh, p- uh, poets of his, of his, uh, circle, uh, in, in already established networks. So, uh, there, there's so much going on there and I'll continue to write, write about, uh, uh, some of that, uh, that's happening. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, these intellectuals tapping into, uh, the rich network of Hirata, uh, Kokugaku, uh, were actually coming from their own rich, uh, networks and rich, uh, literary, uh, traditions that included, of course, poetry and, um, uh, ethnographic studies to, to uh, begin with. Well, I can't wait to uh, read about your next book on literary, literary network for obvious uh, not selfish reasons. <laughs> now, two of the figures that your study focuses on, uh, Hirao Losen, a painter and ethnograph- ethno- ethnographic researcher, as well as Tsuruya Ario, a poet, um, can you tell us more about these two figures and what their roles were in the regional development of Kokugaku? Because as I understand that your book is the first um, detailed introduction of this person, Hirao Olosen. So what should we so what should we know about them in this whole Kokugaku uh, spread boom? Yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, as you rightly point out, Tsure Ario, Hirado Sen, uh, they're the, the two most uh, important individual figures of, of the book. And, and Tsure Ario, um, I mean, it was really uh, exciting to discover or rediscover both of them uh, and to be able to introduce them to, to readers. Uh, so Tsure Ario, uh, he was a, a merchant, uh, merchant class poet. So he was quite busy already. Uh, studying uh, waka poetry, haiku, uh, uh, even before really fully engaging with uh, Hirata Kokugaku. Uh, and uh, and, and I, I got to know him more intimately uh, when I uh, rediscovered um, the, the Kaganabe journal that he wrote. And uh, I mean, I have a chapter on this uh, in, in a, uh, an edited volume uh, published by uh, Brill uh, in, in 2015 as well. But of course, I write about this in the book that uh, Ario, uh, so he was a poet and in 1857 joined the Hirata Academy. And it's really uh, uh, shortly after, uh, so it's around the time that he becomes a Hirata disciple officially that he starts writing the journal as well. So I write about this as um, his um, uh, scholarly rebirth, right? Intellectual rebirth. And this, I mean, he'll continue to write the journal really to the end of his life in uh, 1871. Uh, and so um, it's the journal is, um, I mean, it's not just a personal account, but it's a very public account. I mean, he expects that it'll be read by uh, his uh, uh, fellows and probably by his successors. Uh, and, and I guess it took a while <laughs> until I read it, uh, you know, a, a quite a, uh, over a century later. Uh, but uh, Adio was important as a, an administrator. He ordered books from uh, the Edo Academy. Again, he, he wrote numerous letters, you know, exchanged letters with Kanetane and then later uh, Hirata Nobutane as well. 
and, and he was indeed a part of a salon uh, of um, poets. And and so, yeah, he was the leader that enabled uh, the growth of uh, Hirata Kokugaku in his area. And uh, the academy required um, recommenders or references. Uh, they needed somebody to vouch for people that wanted to join. Uh, not unlike scholarship today, right? We, we are all indebted to these people that um, rec, uh, made open doors for us. And so uh, Ario uh, was the recommender for a lot of his fellows, which, which is interesting. And Hirao Rosen was uh, a very dear friend to Ario. They were both born in 1808. Uh, they were classmates uh, under different tutors. They were both of merchant class. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they were, they, I mean, they were really close friends. Um, interestingly though, Rosen, uh, it took a while for him to actually join the academy. And, and my explanation for this is that Rosen was so immersed in his own ethnographic studies. He wanted to get, uh, his studies on Sugaru right before he fully immersed into, uh, becoming, uh, a Hirata disciple a few years after Ario and others. Uh, but but the other um, uh, argument that I make is that uh, Adio and and uh, his fellow poets, I mean, they were quite well versed in waka and, and haikai poetry, and Rosen was less confident in his in his poetry, so he didn't seem to um, jump right in, uh, you know, among the, the the circle of poets. I think he was so he wanted to get his his ethnographic uh, work done. Uh, but Rosen would also embrace Hirata Kokugaku because, again, it ex- explained uh, that um, you know thunder and lightning was not just caused by forces of nature, but but the um, the kami and the spirits were uh, responsible for lightning and, and other na- uh, natural phenomena, uh, the workings of spirits, um, uh, the uh, the sighting of um, uh, bright objects that flew across the sky and, and fell into uh, a Hirosaki domain, uh, a Hirosaki castle. Uh, so, uh, Rosen, for Rosen, uh, Hirata Kokugaku a- a- answered um, a lot of the questions that he had about these mysteries. And, you know, Rosen was is such an, an interesting figure. Uh, the book, um, I- I'm so grateful to... Uh, uh, Cornell East Asia Studies and Cornell University Press, they did a, a tremendous job with the images as well as the text and the editing. So there are a lot of images, some of them color in the book. And uh, I, I think they uh, uh, present Rosen's artwork uh, and you know make it public to the world. Like the, the, the cover as well, they did a, a terrific job with uh, a painting that was originally done by Rosen, but um, copied later by his disciple, uh, Sato Senshi. Uh, and you can see uh, Rosen depict uh, the Neputa festival in this, of the summer so vibrantly and lively. Um, and, uh, and I think that Rosen's um, uh, attention to detail, like he, he scolded his disciple for, for trying to draw um, uh, 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 Chinese children without, without actually observing children, uh, you know, themselves. Right. So, you know, he says, you know, watch, you know, watch, you know, watch, observe the children closely and then draw the likeness of them. And I think that this approach to being faithful to what you're seeing objectively is something that he, uh, seemed to, uh, practice in his ethnographic studies, but also in his kokugaku uh, so there is some, I think I would say, integrity in, in the work that he does. He's not simply, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, influenced by ideological sway, uh, but but he does um, maintain some um, honesty in his in his approach. And and so, yeah, uh, lots of yeah. There's lots more to say about Dawson, but maybe I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah, we'll leave it for the listeners to actually re- yes, read exactly. your book to find out. <laughs> and uh, since you mentioned this briefly, how does the notion of sacred place and spirituality tie into their version of Tsugaru as a part of the nation of Japan? Yeah, so this is uh, uh, these are ideas that I talk about uh, in, in the context of Mount Iwaki. So Mount Iwaki is this sacred pillar of, of uh, Tsugaru. It's, it's this... 
mountain, uh, you know, beautiful mountain that's visible from any part of Tsugaru on a clear day. Uh, and uh, the uh, Ario, uh, particularly Tsuriya Ario, he writes about uh, uh, Mount uh, Tsugaru, uh, Mount uh, Iwaki, sorry, Mount Iwaki of Tsugaru as a pillar that uh, connects heaven and, and earth. Uh, Mount Iwaki is the abode of, of kami that protect uh, Tsugaru. Uh, and uh, uh, I do cite uh, uh, Alain Grappard's work uh, on sacred space, as you uh, made reference to. So uh, in, in this context, um, I, I do talk about uh, the, the mountain, uh, the sacred uh, Mount Iwaki, uh, uh, which... Uh, uh, which this, the idea of sacred site and sacred region en encompass uh, from uh, Grappard's work, and uh, and so the 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 uh, the expansion of or the historical process that uh, Grappard uh, uh, describes, whereby the sacred space expands from the sacred site to a sacred nation, I think I think this applies to the story of the Tsugaru group because. Uh, this view aligns with their efforts, their grassroots efforts uh, from the lo locale outward to, to Japan. So uh, Tsugaru, Mount Iwaki indeed, uh, you know, Ario describes as a, as a pillar, as a, uh, as a, as a wall to, to protect Tsugaru from external forces. Uh, and uh, I think in that way, um, we're talking about Kokugaku here, not just, not, not so much as like from the center to the periphery, but, uh, for for Ario, if if anything, it was from well the periphery, if you will call it that, uh, to to the to the center of Japan. Uh, so uh, yeah, that that was a, a useful um, lens through which to understand Sugata's place again in, in Japan. Now the major restoration and the pursuit of for modernity brought drastic changes to the Japanese society. And I imagine these uh, worship of spirituality may have faced challenges as well. So in Tsugaru, Kukugaku scholars had to face the social changes and adapt to being a part of a new and modern nation. Can you talk more about this part? Yes. Uh, so the, the, the last chapter of the main body, so chapter 8, looks at this this exact uh, topic. Uh, and so uh, uh, let me describe it through the experiences of a, a few of these players. So uh, uh, first and foremost, I mean, Hirao Rosen, uh, he celebrates the Meiji restoration. Uh, uh, one way that he does this is, is through his compilation of the Meiji Nikki, which is one of these Fusetsudome uh, or um, the collections of uh uh, political uh, documents you know, compiled in a uh, in one volume or multiple volumes in his case. Uh, so I, I write about this in in the book, of course, but also in uh, the Journal for Japanese Studies. Um, and uh, Sudo Sen celebrating the uh, restoration of the uh, emperor's rule, uh, and 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 like other uh, kokugaksha across Japan, I mean, he's he's dreaming of this new dawn. But then in the early years of Meiji, he realizes that, hey, uh, you know, what's happening to Kokugaku and Shinto? I mean, you know, and he's, he's quite disappointed to hear that, uh, you know, after a meteoric rise of, of um, enrollment, in the, in, in, and this is really astonishing, in the first four years of Meiji, I mean, there are uh, a few thousand, uh, a couple thousand uh, disciples that, that joined the academy, uh, you know, and, and, and all told, there, there are over 4,200 that join uh, the uh, Hirata Academy. And, and again, a lot of this is happening in the first four years of Meiji, <laughs> during this sort of quest for this, this, um, uh, 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 this Yoake, the, the new dawn. Uh, but uh, just as it rises rapidly, there's a, there's a sharp descent uh, after 1871. And uh, Dosen is lamenting that you know, people are flocking now to Western learning, uh, and you know Dutch studies, and and the, of course, Western learning has a has a growing following in in uh, Hirosaki, in part due to American missionaries that are coming to teach, and the many uh, young samurai who are converting to Christianity. Uh, so uh, he's he's seeing that okay, yeah, the uh, you know um, 
the new dawn is is not is not uh, materializing like like he was hoping. Uh, Shimozawa Yasumi, a really interesting figure in the book as well. He's called on to compile histories and and uh, poetry anthologies uh, for the former um, uh, daimyo, uh, and so he's working, you know, for 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 the local um, uh, government as well. Uh, Shinto priests, like I noted, you know, they're trying to carry out so-called religious reform, uh, trying to reconstruct a new Shinto um, free of, of Buddhist um, influence. Uh, so they're implicated in, in the modern state building, but then they're also caught up in the, the struggle because they, they ex- uh, represent the local religious tradition and they're sort of caught in between the local shrines and the directives from, uh, from Tokyo uh, and, and Kyoto. Uh, and, and Kanahira Kirio, a really interesting, uh, the, the woman, the lone woman in the group. Uh, I mean, she, she, um, a really fascinating figure. I mean, she was a painter, a poet, uh, and, um, uh, so, so, you know, in a male dominated, um, uh, realm of, of, uh, scholarship and, and kokugaku, uh, you know, she certainly asserted her voice, uh, and, um, uh, I mean, there was a bit of, um, uh, you know, when, when she registered, um, you know, she obviously had the support of her fellows in, in, in Hirosaki, but, uh, you know, the Hirata administrators were, you know, doing a double take. They were asking, you know, who, who is this? Who is this kind of, you know, is she, is she a woman? Is she really a woman? And, you know, there's a, a bit of a, a, a stir there. Uh, but of course, she was um, uh, accepted into the academy, one of only 27 women out of those you know, 4,000 plus, but uh, she, she would also navigate uh, changing times in, in, um, in Meiji. Uh, uh, and so yeah, you can see that some of them were carrying out the modern reforms. Some of them were uh, uh, resistant to it. And, you know, the, the, the death of uh, Tsuriya Ario in 1871 is significant because they lost their leader. Uh, and as I describe in the, the late, uh, pages of the book, uh, th- their, um, some of their earlier activities would cease, uh, but they would truly become a part of a, a modern nation. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, there was some excitement, but also uh, disorientation, uh, estrangement within, you know, sort of this new and foreign uh, new Meiji society. Uh, and uh, there, were, there were also local appropriations of, of the kokugaku work that was done uh, to uh, support, uh, you know, some of the, the modern military successes when, you know, Japan uh, and China go to war in the first uh, Sino-Japanese War. So, you know, long after Ario and Rosen are gone, uh, uh, there are um, uh, modern app- uh, appropriations of, of what kokugaku meant now means to the modern uh, empire, uh, which are uh, rather ahistorical um, and nationalistic. Uh, but um, yeah, so so a really uh, uh, grappling with modernity and a struggle and sort of trying to um, uh, represent what some of these commoner intellectuals were experiencing during these uh, uh, rapidly changing times. And given the association between nativist studies and uh, nationalist characteristics, and, and plus um, this region of Tsugaru Kirosaki, I don't imagine I don't imagine it to be a easy task. So, what kind of difficulties did you run into when you were doing your research for this book? Yes. Uh, so. Uh... As, yeah, so this was, I mean, the project certainly began as my doctoral uh, doctoral research and, and dissertation. And uh, I was really fortunate that uh, uh, Yasunori Kojima introduced me to um, the Tsugaru Kokugaku, which I, you know, um, I jumped at because um, it's, uh, it's not about the Kokugaku canon. It's not about the big figures, right? The Ushi, the, the masters uh, whose works are, uh, many of many of whose works are published in uh, edited uh, uh, sort of uh, complete works and such, but uh, so so that's where one of the challenges uh, lay. That it's a new topic uh, with archival sources, so there's a great opportunity there, but certainly lots of work uh, finding them. So I, 
I was really fortunate to spend just over a year in Hirosaki, uh, based at Hirosaki University, where they hosted me. And uh, I uh, truly uh, was uh, benefited from a, a generous Japan Foundation doctoral fellowship, uh, as well as a Social Science and Humanities Research Council of Canada fellowship. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I spent many of my days in, at Hirosaki uh, City Library, uh, just, um, uh, you know, b- bothering the librarians for, you know, uh, one document after another. Uh, and some of those finds were uh, like like the uh, Kaganage, Kaganabe Journal of, of Ario, uh, which is just a, a huge, um, uh, you know, a huge gem. Uh, the uh, Waka collection of uh, Hirao Rosen was another one. So, so finding these sources, deciphering the handwritten, you know, written, <laughs> the handwriting uh, and, you know, really getting help from a lot of mentors and doing so, uh, to, you know, took many months. Uh, uh, and, and then, of course, making sense of all of this, you know, situating uh, this locale within uh, Japan. So every time I presented on the work, I mean, people always asked, oh, so what's so special about Tsugaru? What's so unique about it? Uh, what's so, so special about Rosen? So always having to sort of figure out, um, you know why why they were important and, and, and their continual attempt to try to locate their country within a larger nation of, of Japan uh, was the um, the story that that sort of uh, uh, I, I, I uncovered and uh, it's it's a local story uh, but it's also you know obviously there's national elements to it um, and uh, and so I, I think it does certainly um, uh, speak to conversations around uh, multiple, multi-level community, nation, nation nationalism, uh, but it's also a very global story as well. Um, and, and of course, a lot of uh, personal stories uh, along the way. So uh, I think, yeah, I, I think that readers will probably be drawn by the provocative title <laughs> and hopefully they'll, um, yeah, they'll, they'll f- maybe learn something new, but uh, something that will connect to, you know, what, what they've learned about maybe around the globe, about the uh, about the globe at the time and also about uh, Japan. That's fascinating. And I definitely learned a lot about that. Ah, so thank, thank you, thank you for the plug. <laughs> well, thank you for this um, wonderful conversation. It's really uh, thought provoking and I absolutely enjoyed your book. Thanks so much, Yingyi, and thank you for your thoughtful questions. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, For our listeners, this is Dr. Gideon Fujiwala and his new book, From Country to Nation, Ethnographic Studies, Kokugaku and Spirits in 19th Century Japan. I am Jingyi, and I will see you in our next episode.